Payette's dedication to science helped propel her to high office, but her comments about those who look to a higher power are causing divisions in Canada's religious communities. We find it disappointing uh, and insulting, quite frankly. Frustration has been growing since the Governor-General spoke at a science conference on Wednesday. Payette used her appearance to denounce climate change deniers and also took on creationists. We are still debating and still questioning whether life was a divine intervention or whether it was coming out of a natural process, let alone, oh my goodness, lo and behold, random process. We are a government grounded in science. The Prime Minister defended Payette and her faith in science. I uh, applaud uh, the firmness with which uh, she stands in support of science uh, and the truth. But Justin Trudeau's comments have triggered new backlash today. On Facebook, Conservative leader Andrew Scheer wrote, it is extremely disappointing that the Prime Minister will not support Indigenous peoples, Muslims, Jews, Sikhs, Christians, and other faith groups who believe there is truth in their religion. Trudeau's office says he stands by his statement, but some spiritual leaders suggest this debate is exposing a dismissive attitude in Canada that exists towards those who are religious. That's uh, alienating her audience and in her goal of, of trying to promote awareness of climate change, it's actually counterproductive. Payette has only been on the job about a month, and while her role is mostly ceremonial, she does represent the Queen, who is also the head of the Church of England. Katie Simpson, CBC News, Ottawa. All right, so a different way to start the podcast. Um, that clip I thought was interesting, um, especially from the Conservative Party point of view, um, because it seems like they're trying to use religion to gain favor. Um, and to be honest with you, I saw way too much of that type of shit, and you still see it in the U.S., and I'm hoping that that's not what's happening here in Canada but it seems like that's the way the Conservative Party wants to take it. Um, but we'll see what happens. I thought that was an interesting way to start the podcast. Um, also, some interesting things that I found out for the podcast. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys know, but by the time you reach the age of 100, if you're that lucky or unlucky, depending how you look at it, uh, you will have lost 20%, 20% of your brain mass that's pretty scary. Uh, what's even scarier, which I didn't know, is that uh, individuals actually start to lose brain mass starting at the age of 20. Um, so that's also pretty scary. Uh, then there was this uh, clip uh, from Rob Naylor showing Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Psychosis. Uh, ECW at this time had lost Eddie Guerrero, uh, Dean Malenko, Sabu, and Pegasus, who is really Chris Benoit, uh, all of them went to WCW, and then these two guys showed up, and ECW was thinking, yeah, we'll be all right. So, and they definitely were with those two talents. Of course, later on, WCW would bring those talents as well um, over to WCW. Uh, Bill Maher. Uh, tweeted out, don't forget to set clocks back so we get an extra hour of laying in bed uh, on Sunday, staring at the ceiling and wondering how everything turned to shit. <laughs> so I thought that was a good tweet from Bill Maher. Um, then there was this. This was pretty interesting. Uh, so Chris Jericho 
and uh, Kenny Omega apparently going to have a match in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, but Danny Garnell tweeted out, uh, your Tinder profile versus you in real life. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty good. And then here's a clip of, of what happened uh, with Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega in New Japan Pro Wrestling. <laughs> So that's pretty crazy, especially for New Japan Pro Wrestling, to have Chris Jericho come and wrestle Kenny Omega. Uh, that's going to be a huge event. A lot of excitement on Twitter, as you can imagine, so I'll get started with some of the reaction. Uh, Joey Chapman tweeted out, So Chris Jericho just challenged Kenny Omega for Wrestle Kingdom 12, and I don't think I've ever been this hyped at 7.30 in the morning. It's true. Uh, just the other day, yesterday, uh, this is when everybody became aware ab about it like really early in the morning uh, for me too like it's weird to wake up and see something like that and get so hyped up about it um, but that is I had the exact same feeling uh, when I found out about that match uh, then there's this gif which I'm sure everybody knows this meme um, but basically Dan Hevia used it to say New Japan's biggest show of the year uh, features Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega WWE's biggest show of the year f features John Cena versus Jinder Mahal and Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Um, I think that that's a good point. Uh, you know, with the WWE, um, I don't know. I, I I feel like I think a lot of fans feel that they that I wish they would go. Uh, you know, m maybe AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the title. Um, you know, maybe get Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins back into the main event. Um, you know, there's a lot of good young talent uh, that the WWE has, and yet we still see John Cena. You know, I guess you could argue Jinder Mahal is, is a young talent. Um, you know, it, it's funny though to me to see all of the hatred uh, online towards Jinder Mahal. Um, I, I think he's a great champion. Um, you know, and I think, like, he's a champion in the old school sense, like, uh, uh, the Iron Sheik, you know, like, he's just able to get that cheap, hit, that cheap heat, that cheap anger, uh, you'll excuse the, the honking outside, I don't know what's going on, um, you know, he, he's, he, he gets that cheap heat, he gets that cheap anger from the crowd, um, and, and he's improved so much, um, especially just during this title run alone, like he's he's matured so much. Uh, I don't think the hatred online towards Jinder Mahal is is right. 
because um, I, I, I think he really has kind of developed into the role. Um, you know, Jinder Mahal versus John Cena is a big match, but is it like a WrestleMania main event? You know, I, I would hope that they would get it over with before WrestleMania, but it seems like that's the way they're going to go. And, of course, Roman Reigns, again, going on Brock Le- going against Brock Lesnar. Um, yeah, I, I don't know about that one either. But Jericho versus Kenny Omega, I think I agree with Dan there. I think that that's a big match, um, and I think it's a bigger match than what the WWE has planned for WrestleMania so far. Uh, Amy tweeted out, thank you God, thank you New Japan Pro Wrestling, thank you Chris Jericho's parents, thank you Kenny Omega's parents, thank you wrestling, thank you once again. Uh, So obviously Amy's pretty excited about this match. Um, And then I tweeted out this picture, uh, which shows up really well black and white on the screen, perfect. Uh, I was saying this is Cambridge, Ontario today, I, I mean 1974. Uh, so kind of a local joke, but uh, it's been raining all weekend. Uh, there was reports saying that it was going to be, you know, substantial rain. If you go outside, there's not even really any like puddles, uh, so it wasn't really that bad. Uh, then there was this continuing, continuing to talk about wrestling. On the other side of things, uh, you know, I guess it could be worse for the WWE Impact Wrestling. Uh, they announced a six-man match between Drake. Uh, Eli Drake and uh, LAX versus Impact and OVE. Uh, I don't know if that's right. I honestly haven't been watching Impact Wrestling. Uh, then airs the segment where Drake asks L- LAX if they want to team up, so they kind of did things in reverse there. Just one of many mistakes that they continue to make. Uh, then there was some other interesting news uh, yesterday uh, from NBC News. Uh, an exclusive saying that special counsel Robert Mueller has enough evidence to bring charges in the Michael Flynn investigation. Uh, so that's some interesting news as well. Um, Adam Blickstein re- responded to that saying it's a good reminder never to start a lock her up chant at a major political rally, least you be locked up yourself. And I think that's some good advice there. Uh, Igor Babic, uh, I hope that's how you pronounce it, uh, tweeted out, Interesting, unlike Manafort, Flynn gets early warning, is Mueller signaling, and he might be just to try to get more information. Uh, Then there was this from Donna Brazil, she was on with uh, George Stephanopoulos on This Week on ABC, Uh, so I'll see if I can play this clip for you. Basically she was saying uh, for people that were telling her to shut up to go to hell, Uh, so we'll see if this clip will play. What I tell them, go to hell. I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to tell my story, George, because this is a story of a young girl who started in American politics at the age of nine, who continues to fight each and every week of her life. I, I went down to uh, Virginia last week to kick off the canvassing campaign. Nobody paid me to do that. Nobody, nobody, I'm not on the payroll, George. I care about my country. I care about our democracy. Um, and I say go to hell because I am I, why am I supposed to be the only person that is unable to tell my story? So a bit of background on this because I don't think we talked about it on the last podcast. But Donna Brazil came out uh, over, I believe, Friday uh, over the weekend at least, and she was saying that uh, Hillary Clinton did rig 
the DNC to go along with her versus somebody like Bernie Sanders. Um, and with that context and what you just saw, my thoughts on what she just said is that I think it makes her look weak and it makes her look like a backstabber. Number one, it makes her look weak because she was in charge of the DNC at the time and she did nothing about it. And number two, now, you know, she's coming out and kind of stabbing everybody in the back, the DNC, Hillary Clinton, and, you know, what gain does she get out of this? You know, is she trying to make a book out of a book deal out of this or, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I can only see this continuing to hurt the Democratic Party, which is starting now to really splinter um, just like the Republican Party and I think when that happens you know it's not a good thing for the American people to be honest uh, then the, there was another uh, clip where she was asked if she thought a Biden and Booker ticket would have won uh, she was saying this was something that she play out in your mind so I'm gonna see if I could play this clip for you guys as well This was something that you play out in your mind, but at the at the time, I was sitting next to Charlie Baker, who was her chief of Clinton's minister. campaign. Yeah, that's right. And Charlie and I put down, well, we had a lot of rumors coming. I had the former chair of the DNC calling me, Donald Fowler Jr., I mean, senior, what are you doing? Look, the bottom line is uh, she, she resumed campaigning. I went on TV to say that the campaign was back on track. Uh, so I said to that that... that that ticket of Biden and Booker, I think also would have been doomed to fail. Um, and then I said, hey DNC, there's a guy called Gavin Newsom, maybe give him a call. Um, you know, to me the DNC seems to be, if it's possible, and I can't believe it is, because the Republican Party is in such shambles with, you know, the Freedom Caucus and Donald Trump and they can't pass anything in Congress. Uh, Believe it or not, the Democratic Party seems to be just as, if not worse, in terms of the splintering that's going on right now. Um, you know, and I personally don't believe that a Biden Booker ticket would have won. Um, you know, I think the Democrats have somebody in Gavin Newsom that could do a lot of things to help that country, uh, but we'll see what happens with that. Uh, then, uh, on World News Tonight, uh, she was asked if she had any regrets. Uh, she said that she does not regret being able to help the Democratic Party and tell the truth about the Russians. So I'm going to see if I could play that clip for you guys as well. Uh, the second time in my life as chair of the party, cleaning up everybody's mess, taking all of the incoming, being unable to spend funds that I raised. Do I regret being on the road 100% of the time, being hacked by the Russians, being, being harassed, getting death threats? Do I regret any of that? George, this was worse than Hurricane Katrina in terms of the emotional toll. But do I regret standing up for what's right, helping Hillary Clinton, helping the Democratic Party? And let me just say this, as somebody who went through the hacking experience, being able to tell the truth about what happened with the Russians, the attack on our government, do I regret any of that? No, I wish so I could have done more, George. So, worse than Hurricane Katrina, um, I would say, you know, you're not exaggerating, are you? 
I just feel this whole thing is very, very pathetic. Um, and that last thing that she said, she wishes she could have done more. Um, no kidding. You know, like, um, it's crazy. Um, there was a tweet from somebody that removed their tweet. And to be honest with you, I can't remember exactly what the tweet had to say, but it was defending Donna Brazil. Um, and I responded to it. I said, because she continues to prove her incompetence as well as the DNCs with this type of sabotage, because it does seem like sabotage uh, that Donna Brazil is doing here. Um, then there was a poll that Sarah Lerner tweeted out uh, showing the Democrat up 46.2% in Virginia's governor race uh, versus Ed Gillespie at 45%. The lieutenant governor is up by 1.2%. Uh, and she said, eyes on the prize Democrats. And I said, you know, responded to that. I said, after Donald Trump, we're still showing and looking at polls. I mean, if there was any election that showed you that polls don't mean a damn thing, it was that one. You know, how many people do you know that have been called for a poll? Have you been called for a poll? If the answer to those questions is no, that pretty much tells you what you need to know about polls. You know, and obviously the other thing about polls is that people will lie, um, you know, and, and then they show up and vote differently. So, uh, you know, these polls don't really seem to show anything. Uh, Brazil was saying that Democrats have an opportunity on Tuesday in New Jersey and Virginia to regain some of the lost ground over the last 10 years. And I said, because if they run government as incompetently as they do their own party, we'll be just as screwed as we were with the Republicans, in my opinion. The way the Democrats are running right now, uh, whether it's the campaign leaders or the politicians themselves, uh, they seem to be just as incompetent as the Republican side. And I hate to say that, but that's what we're seeing right now. You're seeing that with this kind of infighting that's going on. Uh, then there was a tweet from Japaco. He said, I hope Donna Brazil learns that being in the spotlight is far different from advising someone else who is. She has caused mayhem. Um, and I said, you know, honestly, I don't think she's learned anything. And she continues to sabotage not only herself, but the DNC as well. Not once did I see or hear her really take responsibility for anything. She kept saying, I wish I could do this, I wish I could do that. That's great. What did you actually do and what are you taking responsibility for? None of that really came to light. Uh, Peter Dow tweeted out clarity, Donna Brazil isn't the central problem. It's the mainstream media and Bernie Fringe who salivate at the idea of bashing Hillary Clinton. Uh, I said, yeah, no. Uh, the problem is the dysfunction that continues within the Democratic National Committee uh, and nobody taking responsibility and people like you trying to further splinter the DNC by saying, oh, you know, it's Bernie people against Hillary's. Like, it's fucking 2017. Let's move on from that election. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be doomed to repeat those types of results. Uh, Donna Brazil's quote, uh, I love my party, I love my country, and I'm going to continue to fight for it. And I said, as I run it into the ground. <laughs> uh, 
then there was this image. So New Japan Pro Wrestling, going back to wrestling, we're going to have Chris Jericho versus Kenny Omega, and WWE is going to have Brock Lesnar against David Schwimmer. <laughs> Although David Schwimmer in that picture looks a lot like Ginger Mahal, but it, it, I assure you it's actually David Schwimmer. Uh, then going back to what I was talking about over the weekend, uh, Thor 3 uh, was one of the top box office uh, winners uh, in Marvel history, uh, as you see there. Uh, it's a best for Thor movies in general, uh, and for Marvel debuts in November. Uh, and again, like Thor Ragnarok to me was, was uh, a really good movie, uh, and I highly recommend it to anybody who hasn't seen it especially if you're into superhero movies, it was really good. Uh, you know, I'm not the biggest Thor or Incredible Hulk fan, as I continue to say on these podcasts, but uh, the humor alone in that movie was worth it. It was a really good movie. Uh, then Exhibitor Relations tweeted out, uh, the mighty Thor Ragnarok launched with a thunderous $121 million domestic uh, opening, an opening mark only 30 other films have achieved. So. Uh, really, really good opening for Thor Ragnarok in the box office. Um, then uh, yesterday uh, was uh, the second leg in the match between the New York Red Bulls and the Toronto FC for Major League Soccer, uh, the cup playoffs, and uh, just unbelievable uh, lack of uh, discipline from Altidore. Uh, really stupid behavior uh, caused him to leave the game halfway through um, you know New York ended up scoring a goal and you know everybody was kind of nervous and worried you know if New York scores again they're gonna take this thing uh, but luckily that didn't happen at the same time uh, the behavior was so stupid from Altidore and uh, some behavior that was kind of dumb from Giovinco uh, both of them apparently have been suspended for the first leg of the conference finals uh, so some costly stupid things from some star players for the Toronto FC and they might actually be in trouble uh, in that first leg of the conference finals but you know we'll see what happens which is a shame to me just because Toronto FC has had such a good season they came so close last year to winning the MLS Cup uh, you know it seems like they're shooting themselves in the foot right now uh, my friend Wes uh, tweeted out, even soccer is dumb, 2-2 two two after two games, but Toronto wins. And I said, uh, more goals in the away game, baby. Uh, Altidore thing was dumb, uh, and apparently he's not playing, as I said earlier, in the first leg in the conference finals. Uh, then Paul Ryan tweeted out, reports out of Texas are devastating. Uh, the people of Sutherland Springs need our prayers right now. And Will Wheaton tweeted out, and I couldn't agree with him more. He said, the murdered victims were in a church. If prayers did anything, they'd still be alive, you worthless sack of shit. And I agree with him. Now, some people might say, hey, you know, that's a bit much. You know, why are you going that far? Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm with Will in the sense that, uh, you know, how many shootings have to happen before at least there's some kind of debate, just a debate in Congress about gun control, you know? 
uh, the President of the United States, Donald Trump, came out and said that this is not a gun issue, this is a mental health issue. How many times do you have to hear that, that broken record? How many people have to die before we realize, hey, maybe it's both. Maybe it's a mental health issue and maybe it's also a gun control issue, you know? Um, and, and I don't think it's fair to lean more towards mental health as, a, as opposed to, uh, you know, gun control. It's both. Plain and simple, it's both. And, you know, it's ridiculous to me that uh, this can, you continue to see this from these politicians. They duck behind religion and say, oh, you know, they're in our thoughts and prayers, they're in our thoughts and prayers, they're in our thoughts and prayers. After a while, even to the most religious person, I think that comes across as being just a little bit disingenuous. And that's why I think Will Wheaton's tweet uh, really hit the nail on the head there um, in, in focusing, the, I think, the nation and the world's anger towards these do-nothing politicians that try to use religion as like a crutch or a shield uh, against have at least having a debate about gun control. I'm not saying to actually even do anything at this point. Just show the country that you care just a fucking little bit enough to have a, a sensible debate. And if you want to bring mental health into the debate, hey, as I keep saying, mental health is a part of this issue, but it's not the only part of this issue. Uh, then Will Wheaton responded uh, again, saying, Paul Ryan is the Speaker of the House. He can offer laws and regulations to end this, but instead he offers thoughts and prayers. Uh, then there was this clip uh, from Matthew from Botchamania of Jimmy Wang Yang, uh, yes, that was a crazy name, uh, giving John Morrison the greatest monkey flip ever. And it was pretty good. Uh, Bruce Gerich uh, for the Ottawa Sun, I believe, tweeted out that Matt Duchesne is expected to come to Ottawa now, and he did. Uh, Turis is going to Nashville, and uh, the Avalanche got a whole bunch of future uh, prospects and picks and stuff like that. Uh, then from ABC7, Magic Mushroom, uh, there's actually a legalization effort for magic mushrooms in California. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, I was also uh, watching a lot of, continue to watch a lot of 30 for 30 uh, documentaries on ESPN. I just love those documentaries because, you know, again, like they just bring you back to that time and they're such great stories. Uh, one of them that they've done recently, which I just saw the other day was, uh, this was the XFL. Uh, and I'm convinced uh, that what happened in LA in week two of for the XFL was sabotaged by Matt Faskersian. Um And if you've seen the documentary, you'll laugh and you'll know what I mean. If you haven't seen the documentary yet, please do, and you'll understand what that joke means. Uh, then there was this tweet as a response to Matthew where he said that was the greatest monkey flip ever. I agree, I think that one might be the greatest one ever from RVD at WrestleMania. And that was from Corporate Sterlo. Uh, then there was a tweet uh, from uh, Sean Diddy Combs, uh, and Diddy says that I've decided to change my name again 
my new not my new name is love aka brother love hashtag take that uh, Bruce Pit Bruce Pritchard who had the wrestling gimmick brother love uh, said yo find a new gimmick I invented and perfected brother love I am the original and you are not remember North Carolina and then this tweet was hilarious this was from Andrew uh, Hodge he said when Vince McMahon learns about Diddy wanting to be called uh, Brother Love. <laughs> so he's thinking dollar signs. Um, and then Tom tweeted out, coming for the trademark, like, and then it shows Vince McMahon doing his walk. Uh, and then Cole Wright tweeted out, uh, Diddy is out here talking about, don't call him anything but brother love. Of course, people had fun on Twitter. They actually put brother love's face over Diddy and had him doing music videos uh, for Diddy as well. Um, and then just continuing on about that, that subject of the church shootings in Texas, I said, you know, at this point, I think the only mental health issue is with the politicians who say there's not a gun issue. Hashtag what the fuck. Um, Trump was saying he sends out his thoughts, prayers, and deepest condolences to the victims of the church massacre. And I just repeated what Will Wheaton was saying. Uh, they were in a church praying when it happened. If prayers worked, they'd still be alive. Uh, then there was this tweet uh, from TDE Wrestling which I thought was hilarious. It's Eli Drake, and uh, he's tossing his opponent under the barricade, and it says, your opponent has left the match uh, when your controller breaks in a wrestling game, or on any, any game. Uh, so I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, WWE Creative Humor said, we're in England, so for every spoiler you read, we will release another beloved independent wrestler. So I thought that was pretty funny too. Uh, Matt Duchesne tweeted out, uh, you know, that Colorado is always going to have a place in his heart, and he was thanking the fans and the organization, and I was just saying, you know, it seems disingenuous after he was holding the team hostage uh, to trade him, basically. And then uh, there was a cyclist earlier who flipped off uh, Donald Trump in his motorcade. Uh, she was fired uh, recently. Uh, which just goes to show you just how crazy the U.S. is getting politics and business. You know, you saw it with ESPN, with their reporter. Um, you know, does the First Amendment still exist uh, with social media and everything? Like, it's just, it's nuts, you know. And it, it feels like you're living in a dictatorship in a serious sense when shit like that happens. When somebody loses their job for flipping off a president. Uh, you know, you can disagree with it, but to fire somebody from their livelihood uh, because you disagree with their political views, I think that's fucking ridiculous. And speaking of dictatorships, of course, you see here this picture, which we'll end with, which I thought was pretty powerful. See the Nazi flag there in the background. Uh, this is in Germany in 1932. Uh, however, 
uh, right in front of it, in defiance, you see the menorah, uh, which, you know, celebrating uh, Hanukkah with the Jewish family there. Uh, I thought that was a pretty powerful image uh, and a good image to end the podcast with. So, you know, I wanted to thank you guys for watching this episode, and we will see you guys on the next episode of the podcast.